0: Chapter 2 of My Doggy and I This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Alison Hester My Doggy and I by Robert Ballantyne Chapter 2 Introduces a Young Hero The day had become very sultry by the time I went out to visit my patients. The sky was overcast with dark, thunderous clouds, "'and, as there seemed every chance of a heavy shower, "'I returned to my lodgings for an umbrella. "'Oh, Mr. Mellon,' exclaimed my landlady "'as I entered the lobby, "'was there ever a greater blessing? "'Oh!' "'Why, what's the matter, Mrs. Miff?' "'Oh, sir, that orrid little dog "'as you brought has gone mad.' "'Is that the blessing you refer to, Mrs. Miff?' "'No, sir.' But your coming back is, for the creature has been a rampagin' round the room and yellin' like a thing possessed by demons. I'm so glad you've come. Feeling sure that the little dog, unaccustomed perhaps to be left alone in a strange place, was merely anxious to be free, I at once went to my room door and opened it. Dumps bounced out and danced joyfully round me mrs miff fled in deadly silence to her own bedroom where she locked and bolted herself in dumps said i with a laugh i shall have to take you with me at the risk of losing you perhaps the memory of the feed i've given you and the hope of another may keep you by me come we shall see my doggie behaved much better than i had anticipated he did indeed stop at several butcher's shops during our walk and looked inquiringly in he also evinced a desire to enter into conversation with one or two other sociable dogs but the briefest chirp or whistle brought him at once obediently to my heel just as if he had known and obeyed me all his life when we reached the poorer parts of the city I observed that the free and easy swagger and the jaunty hopping of each hind leg alternately gave place to a sedate walk and a weary turn of the head, which suggested keen suspicious glances of the unseen eyes. Ah, thought I, evidently he has suffered some hardships and bad treatment in places like this. I stooped and patted his head. He drew closer to me as if seeking protection, just then a low grumbling of thunder was heard and soon after the rain came down so heavily that the umbrella forming an insufficient protection dumps and i sought shelter in the mouth of an alley the plump was short-lived and the little knots of people who had sought shelter along with us melted quickly away my doggie's aspect was not improved by this shower it had caused his hairy coat to cling to his form producing a drowned rat aspect which was not becoming but a short run and some vigorous shakes soon restored his rotundity in a few minutes thereafter we reached a narrow square or court at the end of a very dirty locality in one corner of which was a low public-house through the half-open swing-door could be seen the usual melancholy crowd of unhappy creatures who had either already come under the full influence and curse of strong drink or were far on the road to ruin it was a sight with which i had become so familiar that sad though it was i scarce gave it a thought in passing my mind was occupied with the poor old woman i was about to visit and i would have taken no further notice of the grog-shop in question if the door had not opened violently and a dirty ragged street boy or waif apparently about eight or nine years of age rushed out with a wild cry that may be described as a compound cheer and yell he came out in such a blind haste that he ran his ragged head with great violence against my side and almost overturned me hello youngster i exclaimed sternly hello oldster he replied in a tone of the most insolent indignation whatever do you mean by running against my head like that "'Hain't you got no gentle boys in the West End to butt against "'that you come all the way to Vite Chapel to butt against me? "'I've a good mind, too, and you over to the police. "'Come, you owes me a copper for that.'" The ineffable insolence of this waif took me quite by surprise. He spoke with extreme volubility and assumed the commanding air of a man of six feet four, though only a boy of four feet six. I observed, however, that he kept at a sufficient distance to make sure of escaping in the event of me trying to seize him. "'Come,' said I with a smile. "'I think you rather owe me a copper for giving me such a punch in the ribs.' "Well, I don't mind looking at it in that light,' he replied, returning my smile. "'I vil give you a copper, only I ain't got change.' You wouldn't mind coming into this grog shop while I get change, would you? Or if you'll lend me a sixpence, I'll go in and get it for you. No, said I, putting my fingers into my waistcoat pocket. But here is a sixpence for you, which you may keep. And never mind the change, if you'll walk along the streets with me a bit. The urchin held out his dirty hand, and I put the coin into it. He smiled, tossed the sixpence, caught it deftly, and transferred it to his right trouser's pocket. "'Vell, you are a rummin', but I say, all square? No dodges? Honor bright?' "'No dodges. Honor bright,' I replied. "'Come along!' At this point, my attention was attracted by a sudden change in the behavior of dumps. He went cautiously towards the boy and snuffed at him for a moment. "'I say, is he wishes? he asked, backing a little. "'I think not, but—' "'I was checked in my speech by the little dog uttering a whine of delight "'and suddenly dancing round the boy, wagging its tail violently, "'and indeed wriggling its whole shapeless body with joy, "'as some dogs are wont to do when they meet with an old friend unexpectedly. "'Why, he seems to know you,' said I in surprise.' Well, he do seem to have had the honor of my acquaintance somehow. Returned the boy, whose tone of banter quickly passed away. What do you call him? Dumps said I. That won't do. Has he a white spot on the bridge of his nose? Asked the boy earnestly. I really cannot tell. It is not long. Here, punch! Come here! Called the boy, interrupting at the name of punch my doggie became so demonstrative in his affections that he all but leaped into the boy's arms whined lovingly and licked his dirty face all over the very dog said the boy after looking at his nose only growed so big that his own mother wouldn't know him why where have you been all this long while punch do you mean to say you know the dog and that his name is punch well, you are green. "'Wouldn't any cove with half an eye "'see that the dog knows me? "'And so, in course, I must know him. "'And when I call him punch, didn't he answer, hey?' "'I was obliged to admit the truth of these remarks. "'After the first ebullition of joy at the meeting was over, "'we went along the street together. "'Then the dog is yours?' said I as we went along. "'No.' He ain't mine. He was mine once, then he was a pup, but I sold him to a young lady for a very small sum. For how much, I asked. For five bob, yes, only five bob. I asked for a pound, but the young lady was so pleasant and pretty that I came down to 10 bob. Then she said she was poor, and to tell you the plain truth, she'd looked like it, and she wanted the pup so bad that I came down to five and who was this young lady blow it if i knows she went off with my punch and i never sawed him any more then you don't know what induced her to sell punch to a low fellow but of course you know nothing about that said i in a musing tone as i thought of the strange manner in which this portion of my doggie's history had come to light but i was recalled from my reverie by the contemptuous tones of my little companion's voice as he said but i do know something about that oh indeed i thought you said you never saw the young lady again no more i did neither did i ever see punch again till today but i know for certain that my young lady never sold no dog what some devil to no low feller as as ever walked in shoe leather or out of it ah oh, i see i said slowly you mean "'Yes, out with it. "'That's just what I do mean, "'that the low feller prigged the pump from her, "'and I only wish I had a grip of his ugly nose, "'and I'd draw it out from his uglier face I would, "'like the small end of a telescope, "'and then shut it up again flat, "'so flat that you'd never know he had no nose at all.' "'My little sharp-witted companion "'then willingly gave me an account "'of all he knew about the early history of my doggie the story was not long, but it began, so to speak, at the beginning. Punch, or dumps as I continue to call him, had been born in a dry water butt which stood in a backyard near times. This yard was, or had been, used for putting away lumber. It was a queer place, said my little companion, looking up in my face with a droll expression. A sort of place that, when once you had gone into it, You was sure wish you hadn't. Talk o' the blues, sir. I do assure you that when I used to go into that yard of a night, it gave me the black and blues it did. There was a moldiness and a soppiness about it that beat the catacombs out of sticks. It looked like a place that some rubbish had been flung into the days before Adam Eve was born and had been forgotten teetotally from that time to this. Oh, it was awful. Used to make my marrow screw up in lumps when I used to go in there. But why did you go in there at all if you disliked it so much? I asked. Why? Because I ain't got no better place to go. I was used to sleep there. I slept in the self-same water butt where Punch was born. That's how I come to scrape acquaintance with him. I'd been away from home in the country for a week sliding. A week's what? Sliding. Don't you know what sliding on the ice is? Oh, yes. Are you very fond of that? I should think I was when my boots are good enough to stick on, but they ain't always that. And then I've got to slide under difficulties. Sometimes I'm out of boots and shoes altogether. In which case, sliding's impossible. But I can look on and slide in spirit, which is better than nothing. But as I was saying, when you add the bad manners to interrupt me, i had been away from home for a week. Excuse my interrupting you again, but where is your home, may I ask? You may ask, but it'd puzzle me to answer, for I ain't got no one, unless I may say that London is my home. I come and go wherever I pleases, so long as I don't worry nobody. I sleep where I like, if the bobbies don't get their eyes on me when I'm going to bed. And I heat whatever comes my way, if it ain't too tough. In winter, I sleeps in a lodging and house when I can, but as it costs three pence a night, I find it too expensive and usually prefers a railway arch or a corner in Covent Garden Market under a carter barrow or inside of an empty sugar barrel. Anywhere, so long as I'm let alone. But what with the rain, the wind, the cold, and the bobbies, I may be said to sleep under difficulties. Well, as I was going to say when... Excuse me once more, what is your name? said i, hain't got no name. No name? come, you are joking. What is your father's name? hain't got no father, never had, as I knows on, nor mother neither, nor brother, nor sister, nor aunt, nor wife, not even a mother in law. I'm a unit in creation. I is. "'as I once heard a school board Buffer say "'when he was lugging me along to school. "'But he was too green, that Buffer was, for a school boarder. "'I gave him the slip at the corner of Watling Street, "'and they've never been able to catch me since.' "'But you must be known by some name,' said I. "'What do your companions call you?' They call me bad names as a rule. Some of the least offensive among them are monkey face, Screw nose, cheeks, squeaker, round eyes, and slider. I prefers the last one myself and generally answers to it. But as I was a going to say, I've been away for a week. And when I comed home to which part of home for London is a wide world, you know, I said, "'Now, sir, if you go for to interrupt me like that, "'I'll have to charge a bob for this here, walk. "'I couldn't stand it for a sixpence.' "'Come, Slider, don't be greedy.' Well, sir, if you get as many kicks as I do, "'and as few a pence, perhaps you'd be greedy, too.' "'Perhaps I should, my boy,' said I in a gentle tone. "'But come, I will give you an extra sixpence "'if we get along well. "'Let's have the rest of your story. "'I won't interrupt again.' It ain't my story. It's Punch's story. Returned the waif as he stooped to pat the gratified doggy. Well, when I'd come home, it was latish, and I was tired, besides being hungry. So I goes right off to my water butt, intending to go to bed as usual. But no sooner did I put my head in than out came a most awful growl. The butt lay on its side, and I backed out double quick just in time for a most horrible looking terrier dog rushed at me. Being used to dogs, I wasn't took by surprise, but fetched it a clip with one of my feet in its ribs that sent it staggering to the palin of the yard. It found a hole bolted through, scurried up the lane yellin', and I never sawed it more. This was Punch's mother. On going into the butt afterwards, I found three dead pups and one alive, so I pitched the dead ones away and shoved the live one into the breast of my coat where he slept till morning. At first I had a mind to drown the pup, but it looked so comfortable and playful and was such a queer critter that I called him Punch and became a father to him. I got him bones and other bits of grub and kept him in the water butt for three weeks Then he began to make a noise when I left him. So, being sure the Bobbies would rout him out at last, I took him and sold him to the first pleasant lady that seemed to fancy him. Well, Slider, said I, as we turned down into the mean-looking alley where Mrs. Willis, my little old woman, dwelt, I am greatly interested in what you have told me about my little dog, and I am interested still more in what you have told me about yourself. Now, I want you to do me a favor. I wish you to go with me to visit an old woman, and after that, to walk home with me. Part of the way, at least. The boy, whose pinched, hunger-smitten face had an expression of almost supernatural intelligence on it, bestowed on me a quick, earnest glance. "'No dodges. Honor Bright?' "'You ain't a school board buffer,' he asked. "'No dodges. Honor Bright,' I replied with a smile. Well then, heave ahead, and I'll foller.' We passed quickly down to the lower end of the alley, which seemed to lose itself in a wretched court that appeared as if it intended to slip into the river, an intention which, if carried out, would have vastly improved its sanitary condition. Here, in a somewhat dark corner of the court, I entered an open door, ascended a flight of stairs, and gained a second landing at the farthest extremity of the passage i stopped at a door and knocked several of the other doors of the passage opened and various heads were thrust out while inquisitive eyes surveyed me and my companion a short survey seemed to suffice for the doors were soon shut one after another with a bang but the door at which i knocked did not open lifting the latch i entered and observed that mrs willis was seated by the window looking wistfully out being rather deaf she had not heard my knock come in i whispered to slider sit down on the stool near the door and keep quiet until i speak to you so saying i advanced to the window the view was not interesting it consisted of the side of a house about three feet distant down which ran a water spout or a drain pipe which slightly relieved the dead look of the bricks From one pane of the window, it was possible, by squeezing your cheek against it, to obtain a perspective view of chimney pots. By a stretch of the neck upwards, you could see more chimney pots. By a stretch of imagination, you could see cats quarreling around them, or anything else you pleased. Sitting down on a rickety chair beside the little old woman, I touched her gently on the shoulder. She had come to know my touch by that time, I think, for she looked round with a bright little smile and of chapter two.